Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If there's one thing about me is that I will never let a man disrespect me. Ever! Ever, ever, especially a little white one. Rather than risk having kids unmasked too early and go all the way back to square one all over again, I'm trusting whatever the science says. In my opinion, there's so little time left in school anyway. Why make big changes when there's, what, three weeks left in most schools? So... I'm saying let's keep the masks on for now and see what happens over the summer. What is your sense based on this information of how this happened? We don't know. And one of the reasons we don't know is China hasn't been completely transparent. The real issue is not how did this happen? The real issue is how do we protect ourselves from the next pandemic? Yeah, the first season, we I had a major crush on Jen. Um, I... And, and I think really, we both, separate. at some point, we were both crushing hard on each other. But it was like two ships passing because one of us was always in a relationship. A lot of us had a major crush on Jen, David Schwimmer. That is from the uh, James Elroy. Who's his, what's his name? The, the guy, the late night guy, the uh, fat Englishman McAvoy? who sings. Is it McAvoy? I don't know. No. I don't even know McAvoy. James name. Carden. Um, who? Uh, so he was talking to the group, the Friends cast. They're having a. Is it a one show rerun? I think it's just a one show Re- reunion. But I, oh, I don't know. I don't oh, follow oh, this because I don't really follow Friends stuff that yeah. closely. Yeah, that is a mm-hmm. tattooed into the soul of Gen X Friends. And I'm not gonna. I mean, I, I certainly don't wanna, saw a lot of it, but I just don't yeah. care that much. It's about like Joey's the fat now. I don't like. Tom being fat is bad enough. <laughs> you don't want to see the people. No, you I don't want the deterioration. The right, the finished off deterioration of mid fifties. Possibly, it's possibly Courtney Cox is sixty. Um, yeah, no, and plus, I don't know who the hell would ever watch that. You'd have to be really the kind of person who has their bleep together mm-hmm. and who does all the right things, has all the right meals for their kids. Um, and went to a like a college, a, a mid level to mid high level college. It got married a few years after that, and is uh, is completely uninteresting. Somebody who I walk look down on the street and say I can't talk to the, that person because they're too like normal. They're <laughs> they're good at everything, and they did the live strong bracelet when they were supposed to, etc. I mean, you're if you are you if you're in a place in your life right now where you're forty eight years old. Mm-hmm. And it's comfortable for you to go back and jump right back into friends that either you are extremely vacuous, extremely vacuous to the point where there's almost no signs of life or or you have none of the requisite like pain, heartache and uh, just a soul-crushing experiences that one is expected to have built up by then. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine the, the personality type that would watch that reunion. Unless it's like... Really good? Yeah. I mean, we're not... My people who have served this thing up, and I still remember when it first came out, mm-hmm. having Seinfeld be out, and you started to have trickling out these shows that tried to be like Seinfeld. All of them were terrible. Um, but sitcoms like that. And then when they came out, I think it was 94, with Friends, my brother found it before I did, and I was like, we're, we're really going to, with a straight face, sit here and watch a show called Friends? Just because... About Friends. Right, because because Seinfeld made it cool for people to hang out and talk about nothing. We're going to watch Friends, and then mm-hmm. they had a pet monkey in the first season. It was like this... The first time I saw it, I thought, this is a remarkably stupid thing. I remember at the time, Reader's Digest, which was a thing back then, actually slammed it as being a horrific, hackneyed uh, ripoff of Seinfeld. Hmm. And by the end of that season, not only was I on board, it all of us were dressing like one of them or another, but Reader's Digest came out and uh, reviewed it again and changed their review. Did they say we were wrong? Yes. Yeah, they did. It was Jeff... I forgot the guy's name. He used to do the thing. Yeah, he said it was wrong. It was like unprecedented. And the show was was a brilliant show, but it was a brilliant show for that time precisely. Yeah. You know, it had all it was Yeah, I mean, does anybody rewatch Friends on purpose? I I get the feeling that the people your age kind of dig it. I mean, I know there's a ton of Friends nostalgia gear around like you go to Walmart and there's like Friends t-shirts. Well, yeah, like, yeah. I I mean, I could see. I could. I guess you could. But do poss- people like watch it? Watch it over again? Well, so I don't know because it's interesting because it was really well written. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you could watch it over and over again because Seinfeld obviously is classic. You could watch all of those again. Well, yeah, Seinfeld. I mean, well, you watch it, rewatch it. So I mean, but I know what- that's out there, and like people do rewatch it. But I mean, like I don't. I would never, like, if Friends were on and I were flipping by a channel, I would never, like, stop and be like, oh, nice. Like, but Seinfeld, I might. I well, probably even might with, like, Sex in the City or something. Oh, jeez. Stop that. You are uh, you are officially <laughs> out of this conversation. <laughs> That's pure rubbish. That's dumb stuff, which I'm sorry, is just made to have all the right catnip for women. It, 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 there's, there's, that, is a, <laughs> that is a zero show. Um, but here's my here's my my theory on this and i uh-huh. invite people to dm us or tweet at us with their answer uh, their thoughts too mm-hmm. i think maybe the reason why f- though both having good writing why friends doesn't stand up where seinfeld does right and this is a piece of insight alice for for generation x okay because back in when we were when i was 21 years old mm-hmm. you know you're at the peak of uh vanity you're right out of the rap rapper. You look good. Everything matters. One hair out of place. Style matters. Everything. You're young man, especially with we, me and my people were living in the city. We were living, you know. Uh-huh. You were very cool. Well, no. It was not what it was very cool. It was trying to be very cool. Mm-hmm. So a style was a huge thing. I remember one time my brother had like a, he bought like fashion forward corduroy pants from <laughs> J. Crew, And it was a controversy amongst our friends. You know, whether or not something had to be done about this. Because he was dressing like a 25-year-old instead of a 22-year-old, and that was a huge there's a difference when you're in your 20s. It's a bit... So anyway, but Seinfeld was absolutely not stylish whatsoever. He had like a mullet long after you were supposed to. He wore white sneakers still. Yeah, the, all George... the people in it were weird. Mm-hmm. Like Kramer's weird. So what I'm thinking is that what that does is it doesn't freeze them in to contemporary fashion of the time. Mm-hmm. So, Kramer's fashion is forever because it's never. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre all right. the time. Exactly. So, I was thinking that maybe Friends is so 90s stylized. Even the, uh, obviously, even the, the logo, the, the way it's spelled, Friends, mm-hmm. and the yeah. different color umbrellas. In the, It's so 90s. It, yeah. And that's how, you know, they, they wanted a younger crowd, and so they got one. So, maybe that's what keeps it from being there. Are you... I don't know where I'd have to be in my life right now to be re-watching Friends. Like that person that we all were when we were trying to be like them, going to bar- bars all like moved out the tables and brought in couches and stuff because we all hang out like Friends. Really like, <laughs> disgusting, actually, now that I think about it. Um, 
and you know that time is long gone so and plus like at this age like with you too mm-hmm. i am so many solar systems away from whatever right. it was in 1995 and everybody listening is too like nobody you guys listening you're not where you were in 1995 yeah so but i did think that this was interesting that Ross and Rachel actually liked each other in real life, and it never happened. Yeah, and it's actually... So, like, like, I want them to start dating now. Yeah, and it's really so, like, un-Hollywood Babylonish, the way they're talking. Like, yeah. crushing on each other. I assumed that these people would be... We would never like cross David that Geffen's line of huge started- party, just blasting lines off the tables, yeah. and, like, everybody hooking We never up. crossed that line. We were in relationships, so it never happened. Oh, yeah. like... Wait, tell that to Brad Pitt. I mean, well, I mean, maybe he's one of the reasons it didn't happen. Well, right. yeah, but then he did start dating a co-star while he was still married to Jennifer Aniston. Oh man, that was a shot to her. Ooh, all right. So you want to listen to a little bit of this before we get to the uh, politics? Sure. Yes. Let's Off-screen soul cleanse with romances. some love. Uh, well, I mean, David. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first season. Yeah, the first season, we, I had a major crush on Jen. Um, I, and, and I re- think we re- both, separate. at some point, we were both. Anison didn't like that she lost the crowd there because everybody felt bad for him. She's mm-hmm. like. It was reciprocated. I liked him too. Yeah. Rushing hard on each other, but it was like two ships passing because one of us was always in a relationship. So, and we never crossed that boundary. You know, we respected that. I remember th- saying one time to David, it's going to be such a bummer if the first time you and I actually kiss is going to be on national television. Sure enough, first time we kissed was in that coffee shop. The door flies open, Ross rushes in, grabs her, and they kiss. I thought back on the very first year or two. This know, is all just the friends now, all around the table, shooting the breeze. Mm-hmm. When we had breaks from rehearsal, like there were moments we would like cuddle so, on a well, couch we or something. We would just couch. Okay. And I'm thinking, how did not everyone know we had were crushing on each other? We knew, we knew. Yeah, we knew, oh, for well, sure. Great. Now, thanks. <laughs> it was okay. a situation that we couldn't, yeah, we we couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I will just say for the record, mm-hmm. that 1995 Jennifer Aniston haircut has never been and never will be surpassed. <laughs> I am asking all you ladies uh, in the audience, please bring that back and just keep it like that. That is the best thing that ever happened to uh, to women's hair, ever, except for the way your hair is right now, Alice. <laughs> but that is that is a close second, as a matter of fact. <laughs> All right, down to business, Allie B. What do you say? Uh, let's get down to business, I guess. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> where do we go first? It's an exciting day. Let's go to the. Uh, you know, I was on the air in Connecticut this morning. I will be again tomorrow, mm-hmm. and just a couple of things that we talked about are actually. Work nationally as well. You know, this uh, Connecticut coach of the Connecticut uh, Ace, uh, Connecticut Sun, uh, WNBA team, he said, uh, he yelled to the ref while playing another team saying, hey, this player, Liz Cambage, she's like uh, 300 pounds, is six foot eight. He was like trying to get some calls. Right. Maybe she, she shut someone call or on something. Her something. I don't know. That. He goes, yeah, so she's anyway, 300 pounds. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, she caught wind and Liz Cambage, Cambage, Cambage uh, was not pleased, and she went on Instagram and took a shot at several shots at him. But something went down uh, in today's game, and I need to speak on it because if there's one thing about me is that I will never let a man disrespect me ever, ever, ever especially a little white one. Okay, well, in the year 2021, I'm told that there are racial tensions and there are sensitivities that that are are uh, you know palpable. Why is it okay that she gets to say that? The sensitivities only go one way, honey. Apparently, apparently. And if you're that coach, 
you get fined 10 grand and have to go away, go away for one day <laughs> as he was suspended. To the coach of Connecticut, I'm sorry, little sir man, I do not know your name. Um, but the next time you try to call out a referee, um, you know, trying to get a call being like, come on, she 300 pounds. I'm gonna need you to get it, baby, because I'm 6'8". I'm weighing, I just double checked, because I, I love to be correct and get facts. I'm weighing 235 pounds, and I'm I'm very proud of being a big bitch. Well, <clears throat> um, so I don't get why it's a problem. If you're proud of being a big B, then why then why are you upset that he said you look like you're? He's not pounds? allowed to say it. Apparently, so because I I just I don't. I don't get the whole that like I don't get why she's upset if she's proud and happy about it because uh, making an Instagram story and getting the person suspended doesn't necessarily seem like you're not upset about it um, because I thought we're all like weight positive this and that and like I mean he didn't bring in race she brought in race she brought so. in more than that Alice are you so lucky it was during a game that whole pot you were so lucky that I was at my doing my job Anyway, to that so lucky. little man, like, whole little, tiny, like, where is you? Um, <laughs> stop trying to project your insecurities, baby. Pick up the phone, call the psych, because you're projecting some bullshit now. Um, and next time you try to disrespect me, remember, I'm 235. It might seem like 300 pounds to your little ass. <laughs> um, I'm 235, baby. Uh. Oh, I do have to say one more thing. I think there's a big difference between players and players. Like talking shit on the court, but for a coach for another team to be yelling, like protected abuse. Are you fading from us right now? Protected abuse. What yeah. does that even mean? What's protected abuse? But I like. Okay, so she doesn't seem like somebody who's not really upset about it. She definitely seems like somebody who's really upset about it. I also don't understand what's going on with her accent. So, because I had to look it up once I heard this, is like, what is this accent? So she is Australian, but there's more going on there than just Australian. I don't know. I didn't honestly know there were six foot eight people on the earth, <laughs> especially six foot eight women. I mean, I know there are basketball players that are like that tall that are men, but yeah, a six foot eight tall woman, that's pretty huge. But so she's Australian and uh, I don't know if that's why she says, where is you? I don't know, Alice. I don't ask such questions. I don't want to get myself in trouble. By the whole, by the whole situation. But <laughs> so I want to play a couple of other just pieces of sound that, that I got from this morning that uh, I just want to share. It's a... It, it, the behavior around the nutmeg state has just been <laughs> awful recently, and there's some excellent uh, there's some excellent examples of it. Students here at Brownstone Intermediate in Portland have to wear masks during class. Some people right. don't like that, and some of them held a protest in front of the school Sunday morning, and somebody brought a sign that some people say went too far. This is the sign getting all the attention. Board of Ed Chair Sharon Peters and School Superintendent Charles Britton depicted with swastikas and Hitler mustaches. Of course, of course, you got to bring you know make the, put the principal uh, dressed as Hitler with swastikas, etc. It's just uh, it's just one of those things. Now here's another one. This is um, Glastonbury. This is Fox 61. They have a yearbook issue. Students and parents we spoke to tonight really only had one question. How did these inappropriate quotes go unnoticed by school officials before they were printed and put in the yearbooks? I'm honestly surprised how it even went through so many people. Monday, Glastonbury High School says a student using a false name submitted an inappropriate quote in the school's yearbook. It wasn't caught until after the yearbooks began to go out to seniors. It's even more surprising that we don't even know who it is because they did it through another name. Glastonbury High School officials wouldn't say what the quote was, only calling it inappropriate. Students we spoke to explained. There was a quote from Hitler that was put under the name George Floyd. Is that bad taste? <laughs> I don't know. So so that's it. They also had something about the Boston bomber there, which is just perfect for this year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't approve of invoking Hitler generally in any direction. Generally not, speaking, but well, uh, this isn't even invoking. This is two different stories, you know. No, no, no. I know it's two different stories, but they both, you know, feature some. Well, this Hitler. features. 
Hitler quote. Right. Attributed to George Floyd as a humorous stunt, yes. I would imagine. Um, you know, but so in either direction, I don't I don't think we should I don't think we're far enough away to use Hitler as a humorous tool. And I don't think we're far enough away to uh, call other people's actions Hitler-esque. But that said, I don't think anybody from the American left blue wave resistance can can make that argument anymore. You're right. Well, we had. I think I had they're actually, done with that actually, because had, they've had, called Trump Hitler for five straight years. I'm glad you mentioned that, Alice. And I had a great caller from Glastonbury today say, mm-hmm. "Hey, th- they've mainstreamed the use of the term the big lie." Yeah, I've. I, I don't know why we haven't talked about this yet, but this big lie thing it really mm-hmm. bothers me that they're doing this. Actually, that they're going around calling this stupid election thing the big lie. Right. Uh, when the big lie had to do with killing Jewish people. And so to compare the two things, to compare uh, the my pillow guy uh, saying crazy things about voting machines to uh, Hitler and his cronies making up reasons why they had yes. to put Jewish people in camps. I don't think those are the same thing. No. And I think comparing them is completely inappropriate. And the fact that now everybody is using this with no context, I think is offensive. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But, you know, it, it, it's been incremental, though. Remember, for right. years now, we've been t- talking about climate climate denialists. Mm-hmm. Climate denier. And you know what? That's a wink, too. You know, yeah. that's only a Holocaust denier. Uh, yeah, it is, it is gross. But uh, okay, so you condemn it, Alice. You're taking. I a, condemn, condemn all uses of Hitler that are not about Hitler. So I don't think as, that your school making you wear a mask is Hitler, and I don't think that Trump saying the election was stolen is Hitler. I just I don't think any of those things are Hitler, and I think that if you make that comparison, you're a crazy person, and I don't care what side you're on. Crazy person, really? It's just a shameless, shallow, immoral piece of crap. Um, now, also, uh, if. Here's another people acting terrible in the nutmeg state. Okay. Tonight, the FBI is on the case after an eighth noose was found at the Amazon facility, the construction site there in Windsor. So, Today, some of these nooses, as we know, are nooses. Some are noose adjacent. Some are concerning not ropes. Yes, so <laughs> concerning ropes. Some are not concerning ropes. Some are just ropes. This latest one. So last week's actually looked kind of like a noose, a badly okay. done noose, but it had no purpose to be where it was. This week's was a red piece of rope. It looked less. It looked less. Um, it looked less convincing, but it, might, it was noosey enough. Somebody is obviously effing around in that place. You know? Yeah. Well, if it wasn't intentional to start with, now it is because it's gotten attention. Right. So who knows how much of it is related to the original noose or noose esque object, or not? But I mean, my personal theory is that. Uh, Working in Amazon warehouses is famously awful and that potentially, you know, once this started and got going, however it started, for whatever reason, now people are doing it in order to um, create a stir and drama and potentially. Well, get this warehouse work. is being constructed. It's not finished. Oh, OK, so this is somebody in the construction crew. It must be doing this somewhere. Okay. Um, so, but I thought it was a good tie-in to my other Amazon story that I sent. That even if you don't have the sound, you can play I it. Out this, of I the can thing. grab it. I can grab it. I'll it's play it out. But so they've noticed now that the but Amazon. You've broken workers- my continuity okay, sorry, of terrible ahead. things in in okay. Connecticut. Well, we'll revisit Amazon warehouses shortly. Then I want to hear more about the terrible things in Connecticut. Okay, one sweetie. last terrible thing, and this is fantastic. <laughs> and I don't know if you know about this, but you may have seen that I, I flagged it anyway. Uh, here we go. Family got more than they bargained for during one drop-off. The Piscatellis picked this picture-perfect North Haven neighborhood for a reason. A lot of young families, um, a lot of kids playing. Eight years and two kids later, Mike and Tina feel right at home. So, oh, now just to start with, this reporter from NBC Connecticut, I don't know her name. I, uh, I don't have it. I did have it earlier a long time ago. Anyway, notice the Piscatellis picked this picture-perfect. Already she's screwing around a little bit. With the, I call that alliteration. That is alliteration. Alice? Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. Okay. But that's not the point. The point of the story is the subject of the story. But a January package delivery has them pretty peeved. Okay. Did you hear that? I heard the pretty peeved. Package pretty peeved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
We take the dogs out every morning right in the front, and then we woke up to that, and we were not very happy about it. The Piscatellis snapped this picture of what they say is a bag full of urine by their sidewalk. Now is peeved making more sense to you? Mm -hmm. I just looked. I'm like, wow, that's a bag of human waste. Spotted on their doorbell surveillance video the night before, an Amazon Prime driver drops off a package, takes a picture of the delivery. And then at the end of the video, I saw the driver go back in his truck and kind of just walk back and drop it and then pull away. You can blatantly see it was urine. It looked like a carnival goldfish bag filled. The Piscatellis say all they wanted was for Amazon to come pick it up. A company fulfillment. Alice, what is the name of the people? The Piscatellis. <laughs> Something funny? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> this reporter, I gotta get this. I gotta find her right now. This reporter, is a Connecticut. Nothing. It's funny here. Um, here we go. It is. I think it's Caitlin Birchill. Is the reporter doing this? <laughs> so, do you notice, Alice? Not only peeved, but they picked the but, picture perfect. Well, not on that, but she, <laughs> she could have introed Wanda and Dave Piscatelli at the beginning and then said, Wanda's very concerned. Dave is very concerned. The family's very concerned. Notice what she <laughs> makes sure to use as much as possible. I get it. The center is just a couple of miles away. It's biohazard waste. Like, you can't keep that on the lawn. We have kids, dogs, neighbors. The Piscatellis say the bag... This is remarkable. <laughs> this is remarkable. Does somebody, nobody realize what's <laughs> happening here that this the the reporter who god bless her i love is making a um parody out of this story she's having so much fun with the, the uh, elements of the story mm -hmm. it's incredible 36 hours while well, they waited for amazon to pick it up and when that never happened it was north haven public works department that stepped up Realistically, it's not about the money. We're He's not here for the money. My fee, anything I get from this is going back to the good people that came out from Public Works uh -huh. and really put themselves in a situation they didn't have to deal with. After the delivery, the Piscatellis called. Okay. I so, don't understand why they couldn't just get rid of it. Well, the Piscatellis couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> why not? Because the Piscatellis don't get rid of it. They call somebody else to get, they call and then they call a lawyer. Right, they call a lawyer. I mean, it's obviously awful, but I don't like. I don't understand just not getting rid of it and calling. Well, you're it. not a Piscatelli. <laughs> I guess not. So my theory is dryer. The the uh, my theory is. By the way, it was uh, th that was the Shattuck's daughter asking for her uniform for softball, which is mm -hmm. happening in the near future. Um, so um, my theory is this. How about this house? Okay. How about the driver of the Amazon truck saw the name and his bladder was triggered from seeing it and then had to go to the bathroom very Well, quickly. this is like where this is one of the situations where they say the drivers are peeing in bottles because they don't they're like scored on how quickly they make all the deliveries and they can't like they don't have time to stop. Do you not have a humor bone? <laughs> I don't think he's. Well, let me just look at the forensics of the. Case. I just said something hilariously good. The audience will the the burn barrel heads and barrelites and barrel the other names the shat heads and all of them they'll understand. Okay. Or how about this? I'm humorless. I guess. How about this? Um, okay, Piscatelli. That's what your name is. Anyway, that's uh, this is Mrs. Piscatelli. It's biohazard waste. Like, you can't keep that on the lawn. We have kids, dogs, neighbors. Let the record show, Alice. Mm -hmm. We are a family who suffers a similar vulnerability to the Piscatellis. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough people realize it or, or use it, but it's somewhere in Shadheads. I can tell you that. Yeah. It, I would say. All right. What is the next thing we should get to here? Uh, that well, is can it. Now I tell my Amazon story. Yes, this is going to be just a <laughs> jarring. Uh, this is going to spike upwards in pure content uh, enjoyment. Go ahead, Alice. So, because their workers are so stressed and overworked, and it's awful, Amazon has come up with a new idea 
for how to why are you so mad at me I I'm not at all understand. I'm looking for the so they, it's they, very they, exciting audio they, that Alice got for this too this is they have a new if idea. you're driving please pull over okay because this is just this doesn't just happen this audio here this is absolutely a <laughs> so if you if you're working in the Amazon facility and you're feeling overworked and exhausted and stressed. And you're let's say uh, like um, a driver who's delivering something to a family yeah. in Connecticut <laughs> and has a name that evokes thoughts of relieving oneself. <laughs> so you can uh, go inside this little telephone booth that they've built you, which is outfitted to relieve your stress. It's just this little booth, like a porta potty, in the middle of the place but instead of for going with to the amazon i wanted to provide a place that's quiet that people could go and focus on their mental and amazon it's called the amazon it's like a little pod it's like a little porta potty but instead of going to the bathroom in it you de-stress maybe if they had porta potties <laughs> instead of amazons then the drivers wouldn't have to use bags and chuck them on the piscatelli's front lawn and emotional well-being Oh my God! There's like the little Zen plants booth. in there. And a There's fan. an interactive kiosk where you can navigate through a library of mental health and mindful practices to recharge that internal battery. Tommy, we just need you to step inside the interactive With kiosk. Amazon. Absolutely not a problem. I to okay, a all right, I'm in here now. Just give me a second. Go and focus on their mental and emotional well-being. Oh my God! Nothing causes the mental Zen and booth. emotional. There's an interactive kiosk where you. Interactive kiosk. Nothing causes emotional well-being like being in a tiny little porta potty building. And <laughs> do you have somewhere that's zenny by any chance? Did I not mention to you during my uh, interview that that's a requirement I have? It's like they've rebranded solitary confinement. I get stressed out. Workers. I get stressed out in package of facilitating uh, storage, uh, sorting, facilitating. Facil- what is it? Facilities. <laughs> Facilities. Okay. So I get stressed when I'm in them, and uh, maybe I should have thought of that. There you go. So That's- then they'll just shut you in the little box, <laughs> and you'll work your way through the interactive uh, meditation apps that are on the screen, and you'll inhale the oxygen from the little plants that are in there, and you'll recharge your battery so that you can go back to being a productive Amazon employee. So it's not clear to me if you're allowed to do that during your shift or if you have to wait till your break to go in the Amazon, but maybe if any of our listeners work at an Amazon and you have an Amazon, maybe you can uh, inform us how it works. Or if you are a Piscatelli, <laughs> please call us uh, and we will interview you tomorrow and check on the status of your case. Um, uh what was I thinking of, Alice? I just maybe we should get to some real news now at some point here. Now that we've covered friends, yes. Piscatelli. What's the New York story? The the the, the uh, terrorizing the the parents, the schools. Okay, so it's about um, the parents and the schools. There's a movement on some of these um, private or not private schools, or I guess exam schools. Um, and um, they have been using the specialized high school admissions test, which is like a test to get into these schools. And um, and parents are they're trying to get rid of the test now because there's not enough racial equity from the tests. And parents are protesting this, but the schools are wokeifying the children and sending them. They're weaponizing the children to make the parents um, become more woke and agree that they should get rid of the test because. Uh, especially Asian parents uh, don't want to get rid of the test because mm-hmm. it's a great tool for their kids to get into these better schools and get ahead. So especially like immigrant Asian parents and stuff who are maybe lower income um, really right. see this as a valuable thing for their families. And the woke people are indoctrinating their children to, uh, you know, create this this strife. Yes, this is this is a victim of the inequities monster. Mm-hmm. This is the... Uh, the Washington Free Beacon is this story, by the way, about the schools in New York weaponizing the the kids using this movement that they call Teens, Cha- Teens Take Charge. So they're using that. The um, Department of Education is, you know, pointing the student weapons toward their parents to explain to them why they're problematic oh, and they need to get rid of the exams. Oh. So 
That's good. But I mean, as we've talked about here, every time they get rid of these exams to get into schools, uh, they end up relying more on other things that are more vulnerable to privileged kids hanging them, essentially. You know, like when colleges don't use the SATs for admissions, they end up relying more on like the essay and the rich kids' parents are paying for people to help their kids write the essay and go through professional, you know, proofreaders and editors and do all these things. It's Whereas... You know, SAT test prep, of course, parents can pay for it. But I mean, there's a very minimal impact on SAT score of test prep. It's like one to 300 points, basically, is like the max you can get out of. Uh, that would have been a huge that. shift in my SATs. <laughs> it would have been like a 50% increase Correct. in our case. But, um, but yeah, in general, it doesn't make a, a big improvement, unlike some other things. So. Yeah, but that's, I mean, what's happening to those schools. Some of the, some of the really great schools in New York City now is they've we're just um we're crushing them down to the lower level we're we're collapsing mm-hmm. collapsing collapsing them downwards so that uh, in an effort to get make things more equitable and it's just going to stifle creativity and achievement and right. it's freaking and disgusting for oh, abs- people who aren't wealthy absolutely it's disgusting what's happening it's so it's so anti-intellectual and so damaging and it sucks which brings us to Zeke Emanuel who is the president's, he's one of the president's COVID advisors. This guy is an insane person. He is uh, Rahm Emanuel's brother. Uh, He has been, he was one of the big um, rooters and even creative minds behind Obamacare. He's Mm -hmm. nuts. And listen to him. He's asked about the virus. The, The media, the rest of the media is coming around to this idea that perhaps the virus was manufactured in a lab in Wuhan. And not simply out of a, a pangolin's mouth. And so they're coming around. Unfortunately, I, I scratch and claw as they might away from this story. They are uh, like bringing a dog into the vet. You know, this the media has not wanted to go in there and trying to push away. But now they are forced to ask questions. So Casey Hunt. Uh, ask Zeke Emanuel about this stuff. What is your sense based on this information of how this happened? Seems straightforward. Go ahead, Zeke. Look, I think everyone's being honest. We don't know. And one of the reasons we don't know is China hasn't been completely transparent with all the data. Sorry, I'm trying to turn this down a little bit, but I won't. I'm not allowed to. I can only have it loud as hell. The people in the Wuhan Institute who got sick early in November. um, We need all the data and we need transparency. And we do need the Chinese to participate because... You know, the real issue is not how did this happen? The real issue is how do we protect ourselves from the next pandemic? No, the real issue is that your audio sucks, MSNBC. I mean, CNN, whatever the frig it is. But okay, so what does that tell you? That tells, to me, I'm getting that we're not going to pursue any damn bit of truth truth with the Chinese, that we already feel like it's fruitless. We've punted to the WHO and an international coalition of investigators, you know what, I'm thinking now, um, and this is these these guys whacked about a quarter of a million, or actually a few million people on Earth, three point five million, I think, yeah, like on Earth, uh, three quarters of a million US, of yeah. them Americans, and uh, and they are not going to have to pay a damn thing because we're in the rears to them among other reasons, and we're scared to do anything. And yeah. so we just have to take this pandemic. We're not even allowed to call Taiwan a country. We have to. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so how are we supposed to. Oh, my make... God. I can't believe I didn't mention that on the air today either. Did we play that yesterday? We had yes, it at least. Yes, we did it here. Oh yes. God. Somebody uh, pointed out to me, actually. So as we mentioned the other day, we, we do live in John Cena's hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's interesting. There's been no comment on it on any of the town Facebook groups. No one said anything. Mm. And normally any John Cena news, because he's from here and his family still lives here, people are like, oh, look, John Cena, like, he came out with a kid's book. Oh, look, he's in this movie. Oh, he was spotted around town in Boston or whatever. You know, so any John Cena news immediately pops up on this. There was crickets. Nobody said anything. The parents are are part of that group, undoubtedly. Oh, yeah, they they are. Oh, yeah. yeah. So (laughs) everybody's scared now to say anything. Nobody wants to be the one to go on Facebook and call him a name. We'll have the three-year-old do it. Distance ourselves from from him if they uh, complain. John Cena is such a... Cow tower. Cow tower. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, so I, I forgot, yeah. totally forgot where I was, Hells. Where was I? I was angry about the. Uh, we're not going to do anything about China and the right. lab. And um, Zeke Emanuel says we need to prevent the next one without knowing how this one happened, which you would think the two things would be somewhat related, right? Like, usually, if, like, you know, if a disaster happens, if you get into a car crash, they try and figure out how the car crash happened, right? That's how you prevent future crashes is you like see was the person speeding do we need another you know traffic light here is there bad visibility coming out of this driveway do we need a you know like they try and but in order to prevent future ones you need to see what it was that happened in the current circumstance right you can't just you know guess randomly without knowing how the accident happened so if there's a pandemic you can't uh, prevent future pandemics like this from happening unless you know how it happened. So if this was a lab leak, then we need to take steps to prevent future lab leaks, which might include not having this virology lab in Wuhan. Yeah. Well, uh, where but, is the rugged individualist nation that stands up and says, I demand you guys do this right now? Yeah, I know. There's no, no nothing. Everybody's afraid. Chinese are paying them off. Can I? Can you send me a check, <laughs> Jing Zhaping? Can I, I will happily say whatever you like for like eight hundred bucks. <laughs> can you ask for a little more than that? It John Cena is making millions of dollars on his movies in the maybe, Chinese market. Maybe you know are. if they want to advertise on the Burn Barrel Pod about how Taiwan is not a country, our rate is pretty high. I would say. Well, uh, but listen, remember China. Both John Cena and I are from the same town at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, John Cena, though uh, in good physical shape, I was crushing abs today again, the third straight day this week. Wow. Mm -hmm. Which means I'm well on the way, if not halfway there. Mm -hmm. And I'll work for cheaper than he was, will. And I'll deny any country's a country if you want, <laughs> including this one, which it's not, if you guys say so, by the way. Um,. Okay, now what else were we? I feel like I'm missing something else that I had in my mind. I feel like I had well, it in my head. I have it. a really good feel-good story. Oh, lovely, Alice. Let's. Um, this is from the Cut, which is um part of New York Magazine. Uh, and uh, this is about a trend that is happening, um, amongst white people. I think primarily in New York, in the New York area. <sighs> I was going to say, because if it's a trend amongst white people in other places, you and I, usually there's a uh, email blast that we get. All the white <laughs> right. people get an email blast, because we right. all do the same. We're all the same exact things. What do you mm -hmm. like about white people, Alice, by the way? I can't think of anything I like about white people, and that's my final answer. Right. I think of even, even less than that <laughs> to like about them. I don't yeah. like them. So that's actually kind of a taste of what this trend is. So... Um, here's what it is. Were white fragility to be adapted as reality TV, the result might look something like this. A collection of affluent white women, equipped with varying degrees of vanity and self-delusion, as white women are, gather at a well-appointed dinner table. There, they face down a pair of unsparing judges prepared to see right through them. Who's racist? Time to find out. Mm. White wine flows. White women admit shameful secrets. They get squirmy. They get angry. They turn on each other. If one of them starts to cry, she has to leave. She will find tissues in the designated crying room. The Bravo version <laughs> of Robin D'Angelo, in other words, too? might look a bit like Race to Dinner. Begun in 2019 by Regina Jackson and Sayira Rao, Race to Dinner gathers groups of eight white women at the home of a white host, where Jackson and Rao facilitate a discussion about race over dinner. Early in the evening, for example, they will often ask the white women whether they would prefer to trade places with Jackson, who is black, or Rao, who is Indian American. The women will almost uniformly choose Rao. So they know, Safe bet. Rao said, they know the entire ecosystem. The idea is to bring such submerged racial judgments to light, however uncomfortable this might make the white women. Jackson and Rao ask guests to describe racist things they've recently done and press them on any evasions. Often the examples that emerge involve silence, failing to speak up or intervene. Sometimes they consist of thoughts or feelings, assuming that the black teens pulled over in a white neighborhood must have been doing something wrong. Mm. Sometimes the guests struggle to think of what to say. 
Not knowing is classic white behavior. You know what? Let's get them over here for tomorrow. Well, I don't know. I don't think we can afford it. Not knowing is classic white behavior, Rob mm. told me. You don't know because it would ruin your entire image of being the perfect nice white lady. I'm sure you're intimately familiar with this, being a white woman. Yes. Race to dinner participants sign, so far. sign up for something that promises to be painful, unsightly, and yet transformative like a chemical peel for the soul. Interested in hosting a dinner? Asked the Race to Dinner website in red text superimposed on a shattered china plate. Click here to smash your white fragility. Guests used to be asked to read White Fragility, but no more. For one thing, Rouse said, we don't want to put another dollar in Robin D'Angelo's pocket. For another, among prospective customers, pretty much everyone has already read it. Wait a second. What's this? The shot against Robin D'Angelo. I don't. I don't I know. Don't she's like out that. of vogue. I guess maybe because she's a white person profiting oh, off of it. Yeah, Robin D'Angelo. Oh, I didn't white. know that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is a problem. Yeah, no good. When they first started out, they charged twenty five hundred dollars per dinner to be covered by the host or divided among the guests. Um, but then it went on. The business model attracted. By the way, to the question, I remember this when this first came out two years ago. Seeing something on CNN about this, and it was just heralded as really breakthrough and clever. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, the country will never turn this way and be this insane. Of course, this is now mainstream. Right. What they're doing, they're now behind the uh, mm-hmm. eight ball. Yeah. So in February 2020, there was an article in about it, ball, wherever you're, well. and it blew up. And uh, they wrote signed a deal to write a book about it. And they raise their fee. It's now $5,000 to host a dinner for That's... eight people where they tell you how racist you are. Wow. We, um, you know. So um, you can also yeah. have you can also have Zoom ones. Um, you can. Uh, they enlisted a white person who works for them on it now who originally can had I, can, a dinner. Can I just ha- get a mm-hmm. quick phone call and have Sayero or I'll call me a racist for uh, like a, 50 bucks? No, it costs $5,000 to be told Ugh. you're a racist by Sayero. Well, what about my, ke- my chemical peel for the soul? I can't afford one. Mm-hmm. So Lisa Bond was one of their earliest hosts. Uh, she was originally... Um, so this is good. This is why I like... Alice, I mm-hmm. want to say... Yeah. I champion and celebrate the work that these two ladies are doing. Mm-hmm. What is her name? Lisa who? Booth? Book? Lisa Bond works for them. She's a white woman. It's Regina Jackson and Sayura Rao. So Lisa Bond was a host. Okay. And now she works for them, recruiting, uh, fielding other people. That calls. is excellent. So, so initially, so, so, so this Lisa is why Bond, these people this. are doing a service. Okay. Because I know at least one of the names of a psycho on earth, Lisa Bond. That is good. Now, if they can give me more names of psychos like this, mm-hmm. this will be helpful for all of us to know yep. so we know who to avoid. Yep, so Lisa Bond initially balked at the cost, but after seeing a post from Rao and Jackson about how many white women balked at the cost, she resolved not to be like the others. Last summer, Bond said, working for them, she fielded 300 emails in a three-month period and had 100 follow-up phone calls of 30 or 45 minutes each. Of those, three women proceeded to book an event. We get excuse after excuse after excuse, Bond said. It's typical white women fashion. Oh, fantastic. Imagine thinking that not wanting to have you yell at them for $5,000 is typical white women. I feel like every... Can you can you be less uh, destructive and less... Uh, oh, hey, there hey, we hey. go. There we go. <laughs> hey. What happened was Alice is trying to move the Jack Russell Terrier off the couch, which has changed the balance of power on the couch. So the uh, so the Foxhound then mauled the Jack Russell Terrier for a minute okay. second there. Okay, you want to come up here, Sarah? Now the Foxhound is off of the couch. The Jack Russell Harry- Terrier is on the couch. There could be more mauling happening any moment now. And now the boy who caused all the trouble by wanting his, no, the Jack Russell Terrier space on the couch is now refusing to go on the couch. Okay. So this is a perfect nuking of the tranquility that was in this uh, room. Alice, how about we get ready for softball and yeah. say goodbye? We have softball and baseball tonight. Um, yes. Which uh, is way cheaper, apparently, than being told you're racist. So, I, you know, let us know. If you want to, we're too poor to afford oh, a dinner. But, Alice, what? let's offer, you send us your name. Mm-hmm. And Alice and I will call you a racist and tear <laughs> you down for not a fraction of the cost. Right, for like a thousand dollars. I have a fifty dollar option. <laughs> if you act now, these aren't going to last. Please. Maybe that's a good OnlyFans model, honey. 
burn barrel. Um, yeah, uh, yes, burn barrel. Yes, that's a great this idea. This is Tom Shattuck's OnlyFans. For fifty dollars, he'll call you a racist. It's way that's, cheaper. You know what than I should do? People. I should get on Cameo and see if people want me to do this for them. <laughs> okay, I'll do this. But you can wait until then. You can email us or DM us. It's burnbarrelpodcast at gmail or DM us, and we will spend some of this show, the next show, whether it's this calling weekend. Calling you racist? Right, calling you racist. That is the least we can do for you. I call it a chemical skin peel for the soul, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Alice. Uh-huh. Well, uh, that's great. Anyway, you can reach out to us there at burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a website, burnbarrelpodcast.com, and you can find us on Twitter at burnbarrelpod or facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. We're also on Gab and Parlor at burnbarrelpodcast and on YouTube. You can leave a comment there if you want to be called racist um, for much <laughs> cheaper than Sayura Ra will do it. Um, that's uh, Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel on YouTube. Say la vie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.